Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a beautiful Monday morning in time for another edition of Locked On NFL Draft. John Ledyard here with you guys today. No Luke Easterling today, but we've still got a great show lined up for you. I figured it was a great opportunity to step away from Mock Draft Monday for just a little bit and go to my big board, um, which has not been revealed yet to this point and has been a work in process for me. Having a baby and jumping around to a thousand different jobs over the last couple months has kind of kept me from compiling a, a complete big board and so I'm still working on that process but I think I've got the top 30 spots nailed down and we're going to go through them today going to roll through those spots and uh, going to talk a little bit about the players ranked in each spot so bear with me as we discuss and I'll be looking forward to hearing your comments on the sh- after the show and this should be in written form somewhere hopefully in the next couple days or so uh, as I iron out this process and finish watching up a couple guys that I still need to see but Let's start without further ado with number 30 on my big board, and, and that's where John Ross comes in, the Washington wide receiver. And, you know, Ross is a very, very talented player. Um, I think a lot of people probably are higher on him than I am, though. Um, I will say this about Ross. If he lands in the right offense, his trump card is a significant one. His deep speed is the real deal. That's not an overrated aspect of his game. We saw that at the Combine. You see it on tape frequently, too. I mean, this is a guy that wins vertically as well as anybody in this draft, uh, You know, and, and probably better than receivers in a lot of drafts past. Having said that, I don't think he adjusts super well to the football down the field for contested catch situations. I think that that's an area of the vertical game where he doesn't win as well. And so because of that, I think he's going to need a quarterback who's very accurate down the field and is going to have the arm strength to consistently take advantage of his talents. Now, he is a good underneath threat, I think, but he's still got to refine his route running a little bit. I wish he was a little bit better after the catch. There's still a lot there to like, uh, but for now, Ross checks into 30 on my board. Obviously, in this class, you know that's still a very high value. He would be in that late first to early second round range for me uh, where I currently have him. Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback from UNC, is number 29 on my board. And Trubisky could go with the number two overall pick, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think there'll be a decent amount of interest there from San Francisco. There's still a lot of speculation where he ends. I bet he doesn't get out of the top 15 picks, however. I think he's got a lot of talents that you'd like to see at the quarterback position. I think he's a a solid starter in the NFL. But this board, and I should have pointed this out at the beginning, this board isn't built off of positional value at all. So if it were, Trubisky would be much, much higher up there because he can be a solid starter or quarterback. The guys ahead of him, I believe, can be either solid starters or better than solid starters at their position. So obviously a lot of value with Trubisky. I think that he can um, he can potentially grow into that role for a team. Uh, I've been encouraged by what I've heard about the way he took command at UNC's Pro Day and the way that he was kind of in charge of that of those drills and um, showed that leadership element that you want to see because for a guy with limited starting experience um, you need to see that he can step into a huddle and take control and I think that'll be the big question for him in the NFL you know is he this um, you know happy-go-lucky kid who is kind of a homebody in some ways and not that that's a bad thing at all but teams want to see can you step outside and, and into an uncomfortable environment and take charge and be the leader
leader uh, that you need to be. And I think so far teams have been a little bit encouraged by that with Trubisky. I think that there's at times decision-making issues, and I wonder how much his height and some of his you know tangible tools they're not elite, and I wonder how much that affects him at the next level. Um, but I think he's good enough to get the job done, and in the right offense, I think he can be a solid starter in the NFL. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette because he's a number twenty-eight on my board, and I can already see people rolling their eyes, and you know maybe even stopping this podcast. But if you haven't stopped it yet, um, here's my reasoning for Fournette. I think that this is a good player who should be valued in this range. I think that if you're a team that desperately needs a running back, say Washington, for example, and you've got uh, you know an accomplished run game you've got uh, accomplished your run game creator coordinator in bill callahan and what he does i think that this is the kind of pick you can make what some would most would call not a reach but what i would call a little bit of a reach because you have all the pieces in place for Fournette to come in and be a star he's going to need a very good offensive line i think he's going to need a runway more often than not he can run some zone concepts i don't think it'll be where he thrives in the nfl so he just needs a really good fit. And if I'm taking a running back, I want a guy who's going to fit in a little more schemes and a little more versatility to the game than Fournette has. Now, you know, he's a receiver. He's capable in that role. I don't think he'll ever star in that role. Um, in, in today's offense, the, the reality is that limits you a little bit, I think. So I, I like Fournette. I think that he can bring a lot to an offense uh, in terms of being able to run the football at a high level and being able to be a physical back who has feature capabilities, I think, in the right offense, an offense that's tailored to his strengths. But I don't think he's as versatile as some of the other backs in this class or as backs that I would value higher than him, I think. So that's why he's down there at 28, still a really good player, no question there. Um, I just think that there's a little more of a limit to what he can do than, than most people do. Hassan Reddick is number 27 on my board, the linebacker slash defensive end from Temple. Great story. You know, I mean, walk on as a, as a cornerback there and, you know, work your way up obviously you know becoming a defensive end and bulking up some you know still not a big guy um, but was really productive last year and uh, I think Reddick has edge rusher capabilities I just don't think he's big enough to play there full time um, you know three four outside linebacker is a possibility for him um, I think he could play on the open side of the formation and you can use his athletic tools I think he's more than likely a four three Sam you know he could step up on uh, you know, obvious long and late downs, obvious pass situations, and and be effective. I think as an edge rusher, if you needed him to be. But I was really encouraged by what I saw from him in coverage at the Senior Bowl. I think he's a heck of a talent in that regard. Um, and I think if he lands in the right team, that can continue to cultivate him because there is some risk with Reddick. You know, a linebacker position that relies heavily on reading your keys and you know, a, a keying and diagnosing different things and film study and those types of things. He's going to have to take some time to acclimate to that. But all the tools are there and mentally so far from everything we're hearing, he's checking the boxes as well. So just encouraging signs for his future. Ryan Ramsick is number 26 on my board. The offensive tackle from Wisconsin. I know just one level of playing experience at the FBS level, uh, one year of that. But I think that when you watch Ramsick, you see a guy who's very technical and polished, which is kind of surprising for his lack of experience. But I think that you can see a guy that's really dedicated and worked on his craft. Um, and the hip gives me pause because hip surgery is nothing to sneeze at, and obviously that's significant at this point. But I think that Ramsick's a guy that if that met the medical's clear, he can be a solid a solid left tackle for you or, or a very good right tackle for you, I think, um, because his work is pretty clean and technical, and I think he can be a presence in the run game. I don't think he's a great athlete. Pure speed rushers could give him some issues, you know, but I think that overall this is a guy who has figured out how to win with his tools 
and all the physical tools are there that you would want to see for a left tackle. So um, I, I like Ramsick a good bit, and I think that if the hip checks out, he'll probably go off the board in the first 25 picks for sure. Number 25 on my board, Charles Harris from Missouri. He's been fall, he's been all over the place for me lately because you know his pro day definitely brought his stock back up for me. But he was a guy that tested just terribly at the combine and then significantly got better at his pro day. And I know that you know everybody kind of shakes their head at pro days, but you know you're when you're running the three cones and the agilities i think those times are more accurate you know accurate more often than not so his ability to improve on those times perhaps you know shows something more significant happened with him i don't know if it was an injury or sickness or whatever it was but you just when you watch the tape it matches up much closer with his pro day results than his combine results and while i don't throw out the combine results completely you know and i think in most cases i take the combine results there was such a drastic difference here that I had to go back to the tape on Harris, and when I kept seeing those traits show up, it, to me it just reinforced the idea that I think his pro day numbers are a little bit closer to where he is as an athlete. Um, so I think that Harris is super explosive. I think he's got just enough bend to really threaten that edge, and he can play speed counter games. And when you're as quick as him up the arc, I think that that gives you a significant arsenal as a pass rusher because you can get back inside on offensive linemen. They can't just overset on you. So he has a lot of work to do as a run defender, a lot of work to do technically in his mental processing, but I like a lot of the tools that are there, and he's a little bit boomer bust, but I think that I would take him in that range, um, you know, and I could see a team reaching a couple spots higher for him just based on the value of his position. Really like Forrest Lamp at number 24 for me. You know, Western Kentucky kid played terrific against Alabama. Everybody talks about that game, but really it's indicative of how he played throughout the entire year. I think he's capable of tackle if you need somebody out there in a pinch. I think he's going to play his best football inside a guard. I think he's a good athlete. Not quite to the level Cody Whitehair was as an athlete. Those comparisons have been kind of running rampant for Forrest Lamp. But I think he brings a lot of the same versatility, and I think that he's very technical uh, and will be even better in pass protection inside where he doesn't have to cover quite as much ground so really like him in that range number 23 for me is Derek Barnett some people have him higher some people have him much lower Barnett's been a polarizing player I think he's a guy who isn't that explosive and only wins one way he's really good at that way though he's very very flexible and he worked really hard to get better from 2015 to 2016 at that part of his game to where it became went from a weakness to a strength you don't see that very often and so I think his cornering ability shows up and he hand fights well at the top of the arc but he doesn't have a counter move he doesn't convert speed to power and he's not super explosive off the line of scrimmage so I worry how well he'll be able to do either of those things because the counter move relies heavily on your ability to come back inside after you've you know, kind of created some that upfield pressure on an offensive tackle. Is he explosive enough to open up an inside rush lane for himself? And is he explosive enough to convert speed to power and really work himself through, uh, you know, an opponent in front of him as a bull rusher um, or create options for himself as a bull rusher by getting his opponent back on his heels? I think those aspects of his game can develop a little bit. I don't think he'll ever be an elite pass rusher but I think he'll be a very good number two pass rusher and this league that carries a lot of value with me that carries a lot of value and so I really like him in this range and I think he his game remember he's one of the youngest players in the class I think that he can continue to grow and develop but I don't think the high ceiling is there like with my next guy Derek Rivers at number 22 uh, Youngstown State kid FCS level player 
but uh, you can't help but just fall in love with his game when you put him on on tape. I mean, I think he played three FBS opponents over his last three years at Youngstown State, and in those games he had a ton of quarterback hits. I forget, you know, different websites say different things. When I watched, I thought he had four or five in the West Virginia game this past year, and he had two sacks and, and, it's, and several tackles for losses in those three games. So he's a guy that showed up against that level of competition, and you can't just go off the stats. But when you turn on the film, he brings a lot to the game. First as a run defender, where he's very technical, very sound mental processing. And then also as a pass rusher, where he is, he plays with the leverage and can convert speed to power and you know can bend the edge and shows that flexibility you want. And he, you know, a lot of the time he was getting tackle reads and, and slower off the ball because of that at Youngstown State. But when he got ball reads and was just allowed to fly upfield and, and go in attack mode, you could see the athleticism and the explosiveness. And so I think that area of his game will only continue to grow. You know, he's going to get high marks for his character. I think NFL teams probably target him more in the second round range, but I think he's going to be better. If he goes in that range, I think he'll be better than a number of pass rushers drafted ahead of him. Evan Engram from Ole Miss, number 21 on my board. If you followed me very long on Twitter, you know I love Evan Engram. I'm a big fan of his game. I think that he can play the slot at the next level. I think he can play in line here and there as well. I think he's a capable blocker, not going to overpower anybody, but he's effective in his role. Really good route runner and has crazy athleticism, man. This guy can stretch the field, can do it all, can win in the vertical portions of the game. He's very similar. I know it's kind of... A, 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 a lazy comparison maybe at this point because the similarities are so, so striking but he's very similar to Jordan Reed for Washington and the ways that I think he'll win especially as he becomes more and more nuanced but Engram can stay on the field so you know why wouldn't you take him in this range because he's always been healthy I wish he finished more contested catches there are flashes of it it looks really good but he's kind of hit or miss and you have to take it with a grain of salt too because he was targeted so much in this offense it's rare to see a tight end be used as a feature role in college and uh he was so a, a larger sample size with him you see him win contested catch situations and you see him lose them and it's about split 50 50 and i just think i i think guys with more physical you know traits and more length and 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 height and leaping ability things like that i think like Njoku and howard i think that those guys have higher ceilings in that regard which is to be honest a big part of playing tight end although engram's ability to separate helps alleviate some of those concerns as well so big big evan engram fan would have no issue with him coming off the the board in the first round either um Obi Melfonwu from UConn, the safety, number 20 on my board. A guy who's really risen up steadily for me. You know, when I first saw him at the Senior Bowl, people were raving about his performance there, but it's just really hard to evaluate safeties. And, you know, I kind of felt like I went into his tape with a little bit of a negative attitude. You know, I, maybe this guy just looks good on the hoof and, you know, people are getting overhyped. And then I put him on on tape and thought he was really good, controlled in his angles coming downhill. And I thought he did a good job of finishing as a tackler, one of the surest tacklers in the draft. That big radius at 6'4", 224. You know, he's got the strength to haul people down and he can do so outside his frame if he needs to. And you see the ball skills as well. They flash as well. And I think he can step into the slot and cover big slots. I don't know how he'll do against the Julian Edelmans of the world and things like that. But I think that he offers a lot as a big a guy that can cover you know those bigger slots and the tight ends that play in the slot and be effective in that role too. So I like Obi Malfon to a good bit, and I think that he can be uh, an immediate starter in the NFL and brings a lot of value to a position that is really lacking around the league at safety. 
Um, uh, one thing about Obi, I will say, I don't think he's a, he is a great box guy. I think he can play in that role, um, you know, situationally for a team. But I would not peg him as a box guy going to a team. You know, I just don't. He's not the most physically aggressive guy, and not in a bad way. You know, not like he's going to shy away from tackles. He's just not going to go full on head of steam and take on blocks or have those instincts to sift through trash in the box. I don't think that's him. Cam Robinson, number nineteen on my board. Number nineteen, yes, he is. Um, I think he's the best left tackle in this draft, and I think if he, if he lands in a coaching staff that can develop and cultivate his skill set, you could make an argument he should go much higher than this, and I have no problem with that. You know, it's hard to gauge him because all the tools are there, but he's one of those high delta guys where you're not really sure. You know, if he doesn't reach a ceiling, you know, I think he's still capable starter in the NFL, but there's a big gap between that and and where his ceiling can be. I think which is among the best you know tackles in the league if he develops. So I think that. You know, really, you know, I think he's athletic. I think he's uh, he shows the technique at times. He abandons it at times, too. The footwork sometimes needs issues, I think, um, or needs work. Um, but I, I overall, this is a guy that you want to draft and develop. The off the field gives me pause a little bit. Teams are going to have to evaluate that. But as long as he is committed to working at his craft, I think this guy can be a stud in the NFL. Deshaun Watson is number 18 on my board, the first quarterback on my board, uh, my top quarterback. Um, you know, 18 may seem like it's further down, but remember, this isn't taking positional value into account. So you've got to consider that as well when I'm talking about Watson here. I think he is a good starter in the NFL. I think he'll be in that that 12 to 15 range, 12 to 16 range of starting quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe even a little bit higher than that if he continues to grow and, and if he continues to, if he acclimates well to NFL offenses and some of the progressions he'll have to go through as a quarterback, some of the changes that will be there from Clemson. I think mentally, you know, you talk about traits and checking the boxes there. He checks the boxes there. You just have to see him implemented on the field still. So, you know, I could see him being, you know, reaching that number, you know, ten quarterback spot. I think in the league and trying to knock on the door to be inside those top ten. I really like Watson. I think if you're a team at the top of the draft and need a quarterback, you need to consider him because all the intangibles are there with Watson. I don't think there's any question there. You know, mentally, you know, very sound. I think he's going to commit himself to the process for whatever team he is. Leadership, take charge in the huddle. Um, you know, study uh, on the off days and um, be committed to the program in general and. I think he's the guy that you want to lead uh, your program to the next level. You know, want to lead your franchise to the next level. And so I'd consider him heavily at the top of the draft. The physical tools are good, not great. Um, I think that he makes a lot of good plays under pressure. And I think that he can win with his feet too, which is a kind of still an underrated asset somehow for quarterback play. And, and make plays on the move while also gaining yards on, on the ground, I think. So he brings that dual threat capability. And I think he's going to be very dangerous in the right situation in the NFL. Marlon Humphrey is at 17 on my board, and Marlon Humphrey could end up, we could look back and see him as a top 10 player in this class, or we could look back and see him as a guy who was overdrafted, I think, because all the skills are there with Humphrey, man, size and length and speed and quickness, and a lot of those guys come out every year, but Humphrey has you know, the experience, I think, um, starting in Alabama's pattern-reading, aggressive, tough defense, you know, for the last two years. He's one of the youngest players in the class. Um, he has the aggressiveness and physicality unlike any other corner in this class. You know, he is he is nasty. He is very physical uh, with receivers in the run game as a tackler. Uh, he's good and checks all the boxes in those regards. 
I don't think Humphrey has great ball skills yet, and that part of his game still could be developing, that aspect of staying in phase and still being able to find the ball. And he gives up too many vertical plays right now for me to have him higher. I think all his issues are fixable. He clearly has the athletic skill set to become better in those regards. How well does the NFL develop corners? How well do they continue to cultivate corners? You'll see Humphrey stab with the wrong hand and press. You'll see him jump on double moves. You'll see him flip his hips the wrong way at times and have to recover. And he has the athletic tools to be able to do that at that level. Uh, in college, in the NFL, it's going to be a little bit trickier. So he's got to clean up some aspects of his game. But like I said, all the tools are there. Everything you want to work with in a corner is there. And I think a team will take him high because of that. Another Alabama kid, John Allen at number 16 on my board. Very talented uh, player, I think. Uh, Obviously athletically limited in some ways, but as technical and as powerful a guy as you will see at the college level some of the most impressive tape in this class you worry about his projection a little bit because i don't think he's a true edge bender or guy that can play full time on the edge and be successful i think that he's probably an undersized three technique that can play base end in situationally you know run obvious downs or early downs um i think that he is probably going to be at his best there um so yeah interesting player i think because there was this oh he should be considered at number one with garrett hype that I never really understood. You know, I think that you can make an argument in this class. Allen's a top ten player because you know this class is more about depth than it is about high end elite talent in the top ten. Um, but I think that you know, basically, when you look at Allen's projection to the NFL, his value falls more into this type of a range. Still, a very good player. I just don't know if we'll ever be an elite type player. You know, on on a on a level like Miles Garrett. Carl Lawson, uh, number 15 on my board, and a lot of people will have Carl Lawson in the second round, but I know he's not the bendiest guy, but I think he's explosive. I think he sets up tackles as well as any pass rusher in the class. I think he's terrific with his hands. Um, I think that he's one of the most polished players mentally and physically in this class. And I think he's ready to start right away and make an impact. And you know, the health concerns would give me pause the things he's had in his past, but able to stay healthy this past year. And so far from what we've heard, all his medicals have checked out. So hopefully no bad news comes out there and he remains a guy that is going to be a steal. You know, if the NFL not as high on him as most people, it seems to be the rumor um, as some analysts. So I think that he's going to be a steal maybe if he falls to the second round. Um, Mike Williams from Clemson, wide receiver, number 14 on my board. I'm a big fan of Mike Williams, man, and I think that there's some misconceptions out there with, like, he's a poor athlete. I don't think that that's true. He's not a burner, I will say that for him, but I think that he's more than enough vertical speed to win over the top. Once he gets hip to hip with a corner, he might as well have you beat by a couple yards because this guy is going up, attacking the football, winning in the air, separating in the air, does a great job in contested catch situations, one of the best receivers I've scouted in those spots. He's physical and aggressive after the catch, too. He can make things happen in that regard. I think he's just going to continue growing as a player. I don't see a guy who lacks quickness. I don't think he's as quick as Corey Davis, but I don't think I see a guy who is significantly lacking in that regard. I just think his routes need more polish and nuance. I think he has to sink his hips a little bit more, You know, learn to throw some head nods and some hip fakes into his routes, and I think he'll be fine in that regard once he does that. He's still separated at a pretty good level at Clemson, um, whether in the air or on the ground. So I love his game. I think he gives you a lot as a receiver. Um, I think he's very, very talented, and I think he can be a number one in the NFL for sure. Uh, Malik Hooker, number 13 on my board. Um, Hooker is going to take a little bit of time. I bet he gets beat a a decent amount as a rookie, but the ceiling with this guy's sky high, and he can still make game-changing plays, and I think he will as a rookie. You know, crazy range, 
very good athlete, great size for the position. I think his tackling issues are really overblown. He'll miss an, a tackle here and there, an angle here and there, but playing single high or playing cover two high, you know, you, you look at him coming up from those perspectives, and that can be a tough gauge, you know, to, to gauge a safety in that type of space, I think can be really difficult and why it leads to some of the misconceptions with Hooker. Um, overall, this is a guy that wants to stick his nose in there. This is a guy that wants to be physical, wants to hit people, and is getting better and better at it. 13 games as a starter, I think, at Ohio State all this past year. You know, one-year starter, really tough to knock that kind of a guy, I think. You know, I think he's just going to con- continue to grow into that position and he needs to learn to become a little more disciplined and you know and I think he'll adjust to that once he starts to recognize routes a little bit better and attack them but a lot of traits and tools that you love to see and a guy that seems to love the game and will commit himself to that growth process which is exactly what you're looking for Gary on Conley number 12 another Ohio State kid back-to-back Ohio State kids and Man, I've been really impressed with Conley's tape. When I first put him on, I thought, you know, this guy's probably got the chance to go late first round. And then the more I watched, this guy's going to go top 15, I really think. I mean, he's got man coverage ability, but he can also play in zone. He's physical in press situations. I think he can. He shows the ball skills. One of the best vertical coverage corners in the class. Teams really value that, I think. The size and the speed are there. He ran a 4-4-4. Um, I think that, this, that Conley is really good a really talented player who can play in a couple different schemes can be versatile um can match up against number ones eventually um and and give you really everything you're looking for he's a premier shutdown corner i think in the nfl um i think he struggles a little bit a good bit as a tackler i will say i wish he was more aggressive against the run and i wish he was a better a, a more impactful tackler he typically gets you down but he'll give up a couple yards in that process you know it's not his biggest strength if he were better in those areas and showed a little bit more of a mirror and match ability from the slot, I thought he played there some, his experience there, you like to see that. I think that he'll struggle a little bit against those quicker, more elusive type receivers. He doesn't quite have that you know, mirroring ability, I think. But overall, you know, Conley's a guy that you want to take in the top 15 and, and plug in. Uh, and he has a couple years of starting experience at Ohio State too, which is more than you can say for a lot of their defensive backs who – get one year and then come out because they're so talented so you, you like to see that from Conley and the growth process has also been really steady at Ohio State so you get excited about that OJ Howard number 11 on my board a uh, big fan of the tight end from Alabama think he can be one of the best players at his position in the NFL and David Njoku's actually right ahead of him on my board those guys 10 and 11 and here's my reasoning here is that you know, to me when you st- step into the NFL day one Njoku's going to be the better offensive weapon and OJ Howard will be the better all-around tight end as a, you know taking blocking into consideration so really the offense these two step into matters if Njoku's offense asks him to block and play in line a ton he's going to really struggle as a rookie but if they put him out in the slot or put him out wide and ask him you know to basically be a big receiver and then oh hey you're going to come in in line situationally you're going to play wing situationally and we're going to use you in that role then I think he can grow into his position Howard is more capable as a blocker and in line guy right away then he can play flexed but he's going to need time to develop as a route runner. Can he make contested catches? Can he separate against man coverage? You know, safeties that are more athletic than what he faced in college. You know, he didn't get to do a lot of those things, those isolation things at Alabama. His scheme got him open a lot. So I know people are going to talk about the fact in Joku's over Howard here. I really think it's almost impossible to separate these two. And Evan Engram, based on my ranking at least and my thoughts, is closer to both of them, you know, than most people would, would think, I think. I think all three of these guys at their peak can be 
dominant offensive weapons for their, for their teams. I just think Njoku and Howard have more of the all-around skill set, more of the ability to become better blockers, better inline players than Engram has. Um, so the ceiling is a little bit higher for those two as all-around players. But all three are going to be offensive weapons and studs in the NFL, and I think they're high floors and even higher ceilings. So I'm, I'm high on both on all three of those guys. Uh, Dalvin Cook is at number nine on my board. A lot of people have dropped him. I think I dropped him a couple spots for my initial ranking of him, but I still really like Dalvin Cook, man. I, I get to his tape, and I really think that the athletic concerns are kind of overblown. You know, I think he, he's the burst and, and the long speed that you want at the position. I think he's shifty enough in space that you can get away with it. I don't know that he's going to be a top-notch creator for himself, but I think that he can run in a number of different schemes. He can play as a receiver, um, and he has the home run threat ability. And that's what you—that's that's something that teams should value the position because if you have if you have somebody that just has that, you know, think of a guy like Marlon Mack then I don't think it's as valuable. When you have somebody with the all-around skills that Cook has, then I think that ability becomes a lot more valuable. And, you know, he's strong enough to slip tackles. Not an elite tackle breaker like Ezekiel Elliott was, but I think he's strong enough in that regard to make an impact that way too. So the -the off-the-field concerns give me pause with Cook for sure. Uh, I just don't have enough solid details to be able to, to, to really affect his ranking. If something else comes to light, you know, I, he probably drops down this board. And, you know, if I'm a team, I have to consider that more heavily, you know, than I would as an individual evaluator. Buda Baker is number eight on my board. And I know people are saying, oh, my gosh, you can get this guy in the late first round. And you probably can. You can probably get him early second round. But doesn't change the fact that I think he is a very impactful player in this class that we'll look back on as being underdrafted because um, – he can play in the slot, man. He can match up man-to-man. He can probably develop into a guy that can play single high. He can play cover two. Um, he can play in the box. I don't care about his size. Watch him on tape, and you can see him make plays in that regard. You know, he's too quick and instinctive, um, and, and his read and react ability, you know, that key and diagnose factor for him is extremely high. So uh, I think you see the ball skills. You see a lot of traits you can fall in love with. You know, people will mention Tyron Matthew. I think the comparison makes a lot of sense because of their versatility. Baker might even be a better tackler um, than what I've seen from Matthew. Um, and uh, I know that there's you – know, I'm not saying he's going to be able to bring the Leonard Fournettes down by himself one-on-one all the time with a full head of steam with Fournette. But, you know, people – think about those situations like that's going to happen every snap and for the most part Baker's getting guys on the ground and he's very very aggressive filling against the run uh, and takes really good angles so he's just you know if you just go off a tape and you didn't see how how big he was I think people would be a lot more excited about him than they are Corey Davis number seven on my board I think he's the all-around threat at receiver he can separate I think he does a lot of things really well he doesn't win in the air quite as well as Mike Williams does but I think he's a very very safe player which is unusual coming from a player in a non-power five conference but uh, I think that that's what you get with Davis. You get a very, very polished player who catches the ball extremely well and makes plays with the ball in his hands after the catch. Why wouldn't you want that in the top ten? You know, people say, oh, can he be a number one receiver? I mean, I don't know what you want to call it, but he's going to be a dominant pass catcher in the NFL uh, for a long time, I think. So really like him in this class, you know, uh, in that top ten type range. I think he could go in there. You know, Carolina, Cincinnati, those teams come to mind. Malik McDowell at number six. Some people will have him a lot lower than this. I am just going based off of on-field here because there's no off-field, quote-unquote, concerns as far as I know with McDowell, and it seems to be coachability, attitude, effort-related issues. So if he lands with the right staff 
you know, somebody that can develop and get that out of him. And if, and if he's willing to commit himself to that process, this is where he could be. He could, we could look back on him as a top 10, top five type player in this class. Um, and that's why I think his talent's indicative of, I like him as a three technique. I think he can play edge situationally. He can probably play the no situation. Any one gapping type scheme, McDowell has the tools and the traits for, I think. And I think he's going to be, if his head screwed on right, all those things go accordingly. He's going to be a dominant player in the NFL. Jamal Adams, number five on my board, a player that I really, really like, the LSU safety. I think he can play in the box. I think he can play in the slot. I probably wouldn't put him single high, but I think he can be in a cover two shell and be okay there. I wish you saw more ball skills from Adams, but I really like the fact that he can match in man coverage, I think, and he's patient and nuanced in his footwork. Aggressive as a tackler, I think he comes downhill uh, and wraps up pretty well. You'll see him miss tackles here and there. You'll see that with every safety, man. People overblow that stuff, I think. All these guys are going to miss tackles at some point, but they're around the football consistently, and they're making way more tackles than they're missing, and that's the important part. So big fan Adam's game. Adam's game. Reuben Foster is my number four overall player. I know he got kicked out of the combine. There's probably going to be character concerns that need vetted, but again, I just don't have any inside perspective there. I'm not going to weigh it that heavily at this time. We'll see how things progress leading up to the class, but this guy's all the traits you want at the linebacker position. You can argue about the value of a linebacker in today's NFL. Foster gives you three down coverage ability and ability as a blitzer as well. He's the full package. I would value that pretty heavily, um, you know. But again, this board doesn't take positional values much into account. So Solomon Thomas, number three on my board, big fan of Solomon Thomas. The question is, can he convert to edge? Uh, and I think he can. His athletic testing showed that. He is a little more boomer bust than some of the other guys in this class, but everything about Thomas, from a mental standpoint, from a physical makeup, from his athletic profile to his character and his love for the game, suggests that this guy's going to reach his ceiling. If he doesn't, I'll be fine, and I'll look back and say he bit me. you know. And I think even if he doesn't, he's going to be a good interior rusher, a good third down rusher, and those guys really matter in today's NFL. So he might not be a top three overall pick if those things don't all come together for him. Uh, but I think based on what I see from him, I'm willing to take that risk and say this guy can develop a pass rush arsenal, can develop moves, and can play off the edge um, eventually in the NFL on a full-time basis. And he'll also be able to keep for teams with three good edges. He, This guy can kick inside. He can play you know, that, that interior rusher spot, that three-technique spot on long and late downs, and you've got that much more pass rush talent for the biggest downs in the game on the field. You know, at What team would not want that? And he gives you that versatility. So Really big fan of Solomon Thomas. Think he can continue to develop and be a star. Marshawn Lattimore is my number two overall player. Uh, I think that this guy is incredibly talented, one of the best corners I've ever scouted. Um, I see it all from him on tape, really. The hamstring issues worry me a little bit. Um, sometimes he can get he can cheat a little bit in his assignments. But, man, I mean, we said that about Marcus Peters, too, and I think that these guys bring – um, the full package really to the position. So couldn't be more excited about Lattimore if I was a team that needed a corner and drafting in the top five. Miles um, Garrett, number one overall pick. You shouldn't be a surprise, but I don't know what to say about Garrett. You know that we I felt like we already went through his phase where people were like, oh, he's not as good as he think you know, as we think he is, and that faded pretty quickly because he's just that good. So I don't know what what questions there will be about him moving forward uh, because I think he's the full package, and I also think he's not close to reaching his ceiling yet. I, I shouldn't say not close, but I think he could he has a lot he can get a lot better. I think as his career progresses and he learns to use his hands better and you know keep a little more space between he and tackles and set up counter moves and things like that. I think he's just starting to, to realize how to use all the athletic greatness that he has. 
to maximize his abilities as a pass rusher. So there you have it, my top 30. I've been rambling on and on. A couple guys who didn't make the cut that would be on a lot of other people's lists. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Kaiser didn't make the cut. I like both of these guys. I think they both need time. I think they both need cultivation. If I'm a team that feels like I can give that to them, I'm okay. We can take them in the top 15, top 20. But based in a vacuum, which is where I'm kind of evaluating and listing these guys here, they wouldn't be first-round prospects for me. There's, there'd be guys that i take in the second round and try and, uh, try and um, develop and continue to grow. Because I think Mahomes, and I have Mahomes over Kaiser right now, I think from a mental standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, he's there and he's progressing and getting better. So I'd feel confident in that as a coaching staff. You might have to bring Kaiser along confidence-wise. And uh, that's something that not every team in the league is going to be equipped to do. So a team's going to have to evaluate their current personnel and see if they have the people in place to be able to get these guys to the next level where I think their physical tools could make them very good starters in the NFL. Um, Tack McKinley uh, is also not in this group, and I think that Tack's a player that I like a lot, um, but his combine revealed some some very big concerns with him, I think, where he would be in the second-round range for me for sure, that he can't bend and he needs work on – his hand usage, converting speed to power, you know, counter moves. He has the ability to win in some of those ways, I think. But right now, his pad level is too high, and he's going to get run in the on in the run game, I think, because of that. So I worry about his ability to get on the field early on, and I think there's going to be some development needed with him. But love his playing style, love athletic and, and aggressive he is. I just think that there's some work that needs to be done there as well. A um, couple other guys, T.J. Watt, uh, Jabril Peppers, I think guys that need development at, at their positions, and Watt could eventually be better off the ball or in a Sam-type role as well. But athletic profiles that you want with those guys, the same could be said for Garrett Bowles, the Utah tackle. Um, I love Bowles on tape and his aggressiveness. He might be the best finisher in the class. He would be probably in that 30 to 40 range for me right now based on where I'm putting together my board right now. So still a player that I would value a lot, but he needs some development and he needs to be able to handle speed to power better, I think. And, you know, he's a little light in the pants and you wonder if he'll need to put on some weight to be able to handle some of the bigger defensive ends in the NFL and get the same kind of movement on them that he got in college. So like those guys, like Taco Charlton, but I just think he's a solid player. I don't think he's there's any standout traits really with him. He does things that are at a pretty solid to good level and I would take that early second round and be happy with him as a 4-3 defensive end. I think he can start for a long time in the league. Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor, I just am not big on the Florida kids at this point. Um, I like Quincy Wilson more. Tabor is really boomer bust to me, and then there's the, off the, or the character concerns, off-the-field concerns, whatever you want to call them, that I think would give me a lot of pause with him in a cornerback class that's this good. Kevin King needs a lot of work, but the athletic profile's there. I think a team will probably take him in the first round. You know, the length, the physicality, a lot of it's there, similar to Marlon Humphrey. I just think King needs even more work uh, to be able to to not lose some of the matchups in the NFL that he's going to be faced with early on. And Christian McCaffrey's another guy. You know, I think that he didn't make this cut for me, but I think he's a really good player, and I think he's a player that has the ability to be versatile for you and give your offense a number of different things. I just don't know that he's a feature back, and I don't know that he's a guy that's going to carry the load for your offense. And so because of that, I think that I would worry about him as a first-round type prospect. I think that he needs uh, to be in an offense that's going to use his his versatile skill set. And the guy's one of the better route runners in the class probably, and I think that he can showcase those talents in the right offense in the NFL. I know everyone's thinking New England. That could be a good landing spot for him as well. I think New Orleans could be a really enticing landing spot. He's going to be really interesting to see where he goes because there's a lot there to work with. 
but I don't know that he'll ever be a feature type guy, and I don't know whether teams will see him as a feature type guy. So it'll be cure. It'll be very interesting to see where teams kind of evaluate his skills and his talents moving forward. So there you have it. My top 30 will eventually build on this board. And I'll talk more about who I've got after these guys, Trey white, Tim Williams, Caleb Brantley, Garrett Bowles, Cordae Tankersley. Those are all guys I kind of had in that next tier that are just outside my top 30. So still guys that I'm really high on um, at that point in the draft. So, as always, thanks so much for listening on Locked On NFL Draft. Let me know your thoughts on the top 30. Let me know your thoughts on the analysis I've given forth on these players. And uh, let me know uh, which players I missed on and why you'll never listen to the podcast again because you hate these rankings. And, um, just kidding. Make sure you keep tuning in, checking out the show. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Audio Boom. Let us know what you guys think of the show. And we'll be back again tomorrow with more NFL Draft Talk right here on the Locked On NFL Draft Network.